Great. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I want to say also thank you to um, all those who helped last night. You know, once in a while, I, I, I get a friend who comes to church that, because they live up here or a family. This person doesn't like to have recognition, but he will get it because he's so dear to me. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding, was my campus minister uh, when I was a wild, untamed college student. He tamed me. And uh, through his example, through his love for me, his unconditional love for me when I was a mess, uh, there was a point in my life where I wanted to stop being a disciple, stop being a Christian. And he, uh, he gave me hope to, to go on after I screwed up, after I messed up. I thought it was it. I punched my ticket. I'm done. I'm out. And uh, he found me. He tracked me down, actually. It was, it was pretty tricky how he did it, but he, he, got, he found me. Uh, and he did it because one reason, because he loved me. And that's Jim Hornbuckle right here. So I want to say that. Jim doesn't like the limelight. But there is someone who does like the limelight. And I wanted to say a big thank you to Joe Neeland. Yeah. <laughs> big thank you to Joe Neeland. I forget the quote your wife told me last night. Um, the limelight is like the sunlight for Joe. <laughs> And you did a uh, you did a fantastic job. Joe likes when I talk about him. Joe, you did a fantastic job. His faith is growing right now. Uh, you really single handedly, you know, just entertained the, the whole audience last night. Your MC, your ability, God's giving you great gifts. Thanks for using those. Yeah. Uh, right now, his faith is super high. If I say if I make one correction, it just goes down to the bottom. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell him what a great job you did, and I really appreciate your time and your energy. Yeah. Well done, sir. Well done. So we're doing a new series called uh, Christian, and it's an important one because it's a brand. It's a very famous brand. Well, this is a Nike brand, and they're always trying to get you to think that their brand is the best. If you don't wear Nike, it's inferior. That's what they want. It's a goddess, and it's powerful, and they want you to believe that. Um, That's what brands do. Pepsi does the same thing to our kids, right? When you go to a, when you go to a store or fast food, you know my son this week he, he showed me the you know the the food display of the periodicals that come in the mail. Look, Dad, only three bucks for nine bottles of Pepsi. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not going to get that. That's crazy. But it's already in there in the mainstream. They're trying to get us to believe this is the best. It's a brand, Pepsi. Facebook is a brand. If you're not on Facebook, who are you? Come on, get up, get with it. Old man news is what the kids call it now. Kids are going somewhere else because this is old news now. They're, they're trying to hide from their parents. Too many parents now are on Facebook. They're trying to get away from Facebook now. They're running for the hills. Of course, when you look at the movie theater, you think Pixar. You're, who, your kids know who Pixar is. They make all the great animated movies that you love. You know, Up, you know, Toy Story, all the great ones. Oh, there it is. You see that brand on the back of cars? Famous. What is that? What's that symbol? What's that brand? Christian Jesus brand. So we all know what an American is. Do you know what an, what an Egyptian is? Know what a Canadian is, eh? Do you know what a comedian is? Yes. Right. So what's a Christian? If you ask a hundred people, you may get a hundred different answers. What is a Christian? 
And what comes to mind when you hear that word? If someone were to ask you, are you a Christian, would you straight up say, yeah, that's me? Or would you qualify it? What do you mean? Someone who goes to church? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I asked some guy, he said, Christians are people who go to church. You might get a different answer. Some people were raised that you became a Christian at the moment in time you prayed this prayer. Some because they were raised in a Christian home, so therefore I'm Christian. Others when you spoke a foreign language when you were at church and you became a Christian. For some it was baptism. For others it was confirmation. I became a Christian. That's what made you a Christian. And some grew up thinking that your brand of Christianity was the true brand. It was the only brand. And everybody else, those Protestants, those Catholics, those Pentecostals, those Baptists, those mega churches, they're not real Christians. They just claim to be. But some of you may say, I was a Christian, but I'm not anymore. Someone else would say, I used to be a Christian. I was once in. Now I'm out. Some would even say, no, no, you can't get out. Once you're in, you're in. Blood in, blood out. Can't leave Christianity once you're in. You can never leave. And some of us grew up hearing, once you're in, you're not always in. And you're always in fear of, man, that was that wasn't a very Christian date I went on. And then you drive home that night thinking, if I die tonight, am I gonna make it? Because <laughs> once you're in, you're not always in. Some of us thought that or believed that. And tonight, if you had a horrible night in your marriage and the, and the world ended, I'm not in. It's terrible. Some of us believe that. For some, it's all about what you believe that makes you a Christian. For others, it's, it's how you behave that makes you a Christian. Other words, others would say, I hate Christians. They're the most judgmental people I know. Because they think they're the only ones going to heaven and they secretly relish the fact that people aren't going to heaven. <laughs> but there's a lot of truth to that. I think Christians at times, we can be some of the most judgmental people Easy. Just take a day to think about that and count how many times you judge people. Yesterday I counted 14. <laughs> I just started keeping track. Just keep track. And just, you, you, I mean, I, I kind of stopped because I got discouraged. I'm like, ah, I'm not just going to stop this. This is not, it's not good. You know, I was on the soccer fields and you see, uh, oh, that's bad parenting. I wouldn't have done that. Wow, that's not right. Wow, 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 he has that Christian tattoo, the cross on his calf. Shouldn't do that. 
Yeah, I was all over the place. Then you go to the daddy-daughter dance. You know, wash me whip. And wash me nay-nay. You know, I felt that. Is that Christian? What am I doing? All the girls are doing it, and all the dads are trying to figure it out. Watch me, watch me, watch me. Oh, that's kind of self-centered. Like, what am I doing? I'm here to have fun. It's a daddy-daughter dance. But see, these are some of the things that go through my mind. Am I, should my daughter be dancing to this music? Is this Christian music? Is it? You know, if you've experienced being judged against a Christian, I can understand why you feel that way about Christians. I feel the same way if I experienced that. You know, when you open the New Testament and you take a look how the term Christian came to be, you may be surprised at what you actually discover about what the, what the New Testament says a Christian is. You know, no one prays to become a Christian in the Bible. Now they pray, but not that moment to become a Christian. There weren't any brands. While people hated the Christians, it wasn't because they felt judged by them in the first century. They considered them a threat to the ancient pagan religions, including Judaism. Not because they were judgmental, but because it was so you know, immensely growing and popular of this, this Jesus that it threatened the other religions. That's why they were persecuted, not because they were judgmental people. So here's something interesting. The term Christian, in all its form, appears only three times in the Bible. Yet it is the most popular brand in Christianity today. It's what people think. It's never used as an adjective. It's always used as a noun. So in other words, there's no Christian music. No Christian dates. No Christian business. No Christian church. It wasn't used as an adjective. It was a noun. And one of these references gives us a huge insight into how the term came about and what it meant in the first century. Here's here's where it's used once. I'm going to show you. Paul's uh, defending his case of being a Christian. And then Agrippa, the local magistrate, said to Paul, Do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? It's used there. It's also used in 1 Peter as he's writing to uh, the disciples and the Christians who are out, way out in the province of Asia, modern day Turkey, going through persecution. He says, hey, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. But in Acts 11, it gives us the origin of where the word Christian came from and how it was brought up in our conversation today. In the book of Acts... Barnabas and Tarsus went to look for Saul because there was some persecution in Jerusalem and disciples fled up to north and they started a sharing their faith and people became followers. And so they wanted to get Barnabas and Saul uh, up there to help the church. So when he found them, he brought them to Antioch. 
So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The first century Christians didn't call themselves Christians. I thought that was pretty interesting. Maybe that's old news for some of you, but for others it may be new news. Outsiders watching them closely coined that term. This was a descriptive title created by an observer who saw the common thread among the group as an adherence to a person. Not a belief system and not a set of behaviors, but to a person. The Roman historian Tacitus writes this about it. There was a, there was a Nero was the emperor. He uh, wanted to revamp the part of the Roman Empire. Uh, he, he started a fire. He burnt part of the Jerusalem he didn't like so he can rebuild it the way he wanted to. And, and during that process, he needed a scapegoat. So consequently, to get rid of the reports about him doing it, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abomination called Christians by the populace. This is in Rome 64 AD. And he continues. He says, Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our uh, procurators, Pontius Pilate. This name reflected their affiliation. The outside looking in. And it was obvious to the people of Antioch that this group was outrageously devoted to a Jew named Christ, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. It was their adherence to a person. But before they got the nickname, they were referred to and wrote about themselves. And they used different terms to describe themselves. And primarily, they used the term disciple. If you were to ask someone what is a Christian, it may very well be different than their definition of a disciple. Sometimes there's two layers of it. If you're a Christian, you go to church. You go to church once a year, and you walk around believing in God, and you, and, and you adhere to that. For others, the word disciple, when they hear the same word, that's someone who actually reads the Bible. And maybe he applies it. But you'll get a different answer. But as we can learn from the Bible itself, it's a name given from the, to, the, to the inside followers of Jesus by those who are watching on the outside. To be a disciple is the same as saying you're a Christian. That was the term they used to call themselves. For example, when they wrote in Acts 11, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The disciples. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Notice what they are calling themselves. And when it came to Jerusalem... He tries this, Paul. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him 
not believing that he really was a disciple. There were even female disciples. Right? In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Let's go with Tabitha. (laughs) She always was doing good and helping the poor. So what's the point? I don't know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Just kidding. The point is that Christian was a label applied by outsiders. You know, like deadhead, jock, geek, hipster. It wasn't the original designation or description. It just was kind of what, what the outside thought that they were. And they, they, they said they were Christians. Adherence to a person. So many people want to, want to attach that thing always to a set of behaviors. Or a belief system. When in fact, in the Bible, it was adherence to a person named Jesus. That's what it meant. It was a follower, an apprentice, a learner. Someone who is devoted to this person and their teachings. You see, the real question for each of us is to ask, not are we Christians, but are we disciples? That's the question. And that's a terrifying question. It's absolutely terrifying. Because I can define and redefine the word Christian until I'm fine because neither Jesus nor the Bible really truly defines that word Christian. It's kind of just put out there, Christian. I can make an argument. Well, I think I'm a Christian because, you know, we can, we can kind of finish that sentence. Or look at all the views that we hold about praying, about baptism, about speaking in tongues, about church and going to church and being a nice person. I can, I can make an argument that the word Christian, I can be one. But if you embrace the original term, not those three scriptures that loosely describe a follower, But if you embrace the original wording, the word disciple, then things heat up. Because you embrace a standard and people may call you Christian. They may call you a name. They may call you fanatic nowadays. Jesus freak. They can use another name outside of Christian. They can rebrand who you are. That's terrifying to now look at what God says what a disciple is. The word Christian, you ask three times, you can probably make a defense, but the original word, the original term, is absolutely difficult. So I'm going to leave you with one description of what a disciple is. Are you with me? And many of you have heard this before, so don't be like, oh man... I thought you were going to pull out a nugget that I haven't heard in 30 years. That's just for all the 30-year-old disciples and above. And even those of you who hate Christians because they're they're judgmental, you you might not if we've taken this next passage seriously. Because I think this is one of the big reasons why people get annoyed at Christians. 
And this is what should, have come, what should come to mind when people hear the word Christian. So Judas had just left Jesus, sold him out. The end is near. They only got a, a, a couple more lessons, maybe possibly, that Jesus can teach them. And in John 13, verse 33, Jesus says, My children, I'll only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I now tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then he says, A new command I give you. Love one another. In other words, value and cherish one another. Ascribe so much value to each other that you wouldn't think of doing harm to each other. He's not commanding us to feel something. He's commanding us to do something. Amen. He's not saying feel love for someone. It's not what it, that's not the new command. Just feel good about that person. No, no, no. That's not it. That's why I told you being a disciple is terrifying. Because you can't sit here and go, oh, I love that person. No, no. Doesn't cut it. You can't be a disciple. Don't feel something. Do something. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. These are one of the things that I want to point to you when you come to the word Christian or disciple, this is what Jesus says. A new command I give you. Now, let me give you a little history. Matt, he, had, he had a group of 12 guys, and one of the guys he had in there was a guy named Matthew, who was a tax collector, and everyone hated tax collectors. Right? They worked for Rome, they got a contract from Rome to get their taxes, and they would add more money to what you were supposed to pay. And you know, if you know me, and if you know others, we hate paying taxes. Imagine paying your property taxes and some guy goes, well, I'm going to work for the state of California and I'm going to collect the taxes for them, but I'm going to add an extra 1% to the taxes you've got to pay for your property tax. I'd strangle that guy. Right? right? Yeah. That's what Matthew was. Everyone hated Matthew. So he goes, hey, look guys, remember, remember Matthew when he was a despicable tax collector? Remember the day we met and what you guys were thinking when I invited him to follow us? Don't forget that day. Jesus didn't feel love for Matthew. He did something. Join me. What about Nathaniel? Hey, Nathaniel. You can see Jesus is talking to himself. Hey, Nathaniel. Remember that day we met? Remember what you said about me? Nazareth sucks. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You diss my family. You diss my hometown. You diss everyone I'm related to. In spite of that, I invited you to come along. Can you imagine Jesus sitting there? And for all the rest, he may have said something like, hey, remember when I did that sermon about drinking my blood and every one of you, you know, yahoos wanted to leave? Drink my blood. Eat my flesh. And everyone wanted to bail? Remember that? They're like, yeah, I remember that day. But even though you wanted to leave me, I, I didn't want to leave you. Because, because when you do that, by this, everyone will know. By what? When you love and love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. 
if you love one another. You know that person in your local house church comes and goes, he's missing for a month, then he shows up to church a month later, comes for two weeks, leaves for six. That's the person that you should love. But you know what we do? I'll love them when I see them change. When I see six weeks commitment in this room, then they get a dinner at my house. Is that not our nature? Well, I don't know. I barely see them. I don't have a relationship with them. We try that one too. I barely know them. Don't feel something. Do something. Amen. Because by this, Jesus and everyone else will know that you're His disciple. I think that's one of our biggest areas where we are reluctant to love the disciples when they're off and on again. That's when we should really love them. I haven't seen you in six weeks. Let me get in there with you. Let me love upon you. Let me do something with you. And then Simon Peter's like, he's like, Lord, where are you going? I'm feeling left out here. Where are you going? If Andrew's going, I'm going. Where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you'll follow later. I mean, did Peter miss what he just said? He said, I'm going to be going now, but I want to leave you this command. Because I'm going to go. And Peter's all focused on, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Wait, where are you going? And sometimes we can be like that. We just glossed over the, oh, I do that every discipleship study, Gio. Love one another. Standard operation. And we skip it. Just to get on to the next Bible study. When you should realize that that's one of the defining signatures of a disciple. That's the brand. That is the brand he's trying to impose. That's what a disciple is. Peter's like, I'll lay my life down for you. You Peter gets all crazy and says things to Jesus like that. And then he denies him later. Jesus, I'm not wanting that. I'm not, I'm not wanting you to lay down your life. That's not a label that I want you to have. Because a lot of people lay down their lives for a cause. A lot of people do that. But do you love one another? And that word love is a very strong word. It means dying for each someone. Sacrificial. It's not the friendship kind like, hey, it's great to see you. we're friends. Hey, hello. That's not what that word means in in the way Jesus said it. Because in the Greek, there's three words for love. This was the strongest form of, I I will sacrifice, I will do something. It's not a feeling of something. It's a do something. Amen. Because I want people to look at the way you treat each other. And Jesus wants people the way they look at you. They want, he wants people to go, man, I want some of that. I want that in my life. You know, sometimes we feel so awkward when we get a hug from a disciple in public. We're like, whoa, let's say it. That's my friends over there, man. Let's take it easy. <laughs> I work with these people. Maybe that hug and your friend who's over here going like, man, I wish I had a friend like that. I had a friend like that when I was in high school, but I don't have friends like that no more. I wish I had someone like that. Right. 
Because that, that's, that's, that's the brand. The brand that, that we're trying to, to teach here is love one another. That's the brand. Love each other. And that's where we should begin. Let's cherish each other. Let's value each other as followers the way Jesus did. Just for one week. Not everybody. I want you to love just another disciple this week. Not everybody. Just find a disciple and love them. Not think about them. But actually love them. I want us to take a baby step and try to rebrand the brand of what Christians are. From what we believe, what we do on Sunday morning, to how we treat each other. Because this is supposed to be the distinguishing characteristic that all men, the world will know that we're His when we love one another. That's the impact. I love seeing another disciple on the soccer fields at Moore Park. I see people when they come visit and then their, their teams are playing each other. It's like, hi, how's it going? There's a part of me that's like, I'm too busy to give hugs right now. Can't you see we've got a game in 15 minutes, bro? Right. <laughs> My kids aren't warmed up. We're not stretched. This game is going to determine the trophy. Do you mind? Right? Oh, they're, they're over there and I'm over here and I'm going like, 50 yards is a long way in 102 weather. <laughs> I'm just sharing you what I think at times on Saturday. Right. And I'm the minister. Right. Amen. And I'm just going to put it out there because if I'm thinking it, you're probably thinking it too. Yeah. That's a long way. Is, is there a shade route I can get to? Yeah. Can we meet over there in the shade? Are you a Christian? Sure. But are you a disciple? See, that's the question. So finally, for those, I'll give you a quick word for those who view Christians as judgmental. Because there may be some of you in the room. As judgmental, homophobic moralists. Who think they're the only ones going to heaven. And who secretly relish the fact that everyone is going to hell. I have something to say to you. I'm sorry that you experienced that. I truly am. If we had stuck to just being disciples, people wouldn't feel that about us. When they hear the word Christian, they would feel that, not, oh, you're judgmental. The first century Christians were not killed because they were judgmental. They were killed because they kept doing that. And they kept attracting more and more people and it was a threat to Rome. Because they they adhered to Jesus. And Rome was afraid of the insurrection of what this might cause. Not because the Christians were like, oh my days, you are doing, you are going to the temple. And they weren't like that. They didn't do that. They didn't do what I do. And while I don't blame you for rejecting Christianity the way you've seen it and you experienced it, if you experienced that growing up, even, in, even as an adult, I just sure hope you won't reject Jesus because Jesus isn't like that. He's not like that. Because we have one common factor to all those who have had a bad experience with Christianity. 
question is, what do we do about our sin? That's the common factor. What do we do about that? So I hope you come back next week as we, we delve into the word Christian. We delve into the topic of Christian. As we close out in a song in honor of Christ, in honor of Jesus, and what He's told us to do and live and have a heart for each other. So for one week, I want you to love another disciple. Can you do that? Yeah. Amen. Thanks for your time.